we are here today. We're, we're, we came to worship the name of the Lord. And uh, so we did. That, that's awesome, that uh, worship this morning. And now we'll, we'll learn a little bit of uh, His Word. It seems appropriate in, in the church, right? Uh, so, you know, I always ask, so you guys did your homework? Yes. yes. So, so at least, well, I know. Thank you, Janet. I, I appreciate that very much. So this week I uh, came across this quote from a friend, Carlos Romero, that says, We cannot allow the noise of the culture to seduce us into a culture of complaint that makes our heart toxic and our bitterness justified. Think about it a little bit, because it's really a concept that is new. It seems like it's new, but um, it's really not a new concept. And so I, I want to kind of touch base a little bit on that. Um, my message today, it's entitled, Up Your Game. Let's up your game. And uh, it's coming from uh, Luke chapter 10. Uh, verse 25 to 27, we have uh, some of the scripture here in the, on the screen. You can uh, open your cell phone or your Bible if you have it there, if you feel more comfortable. Uh, and I'm going to be reading from that text and, and kind of unpacking what that means. Um, it's a very known passage, and so it's always challenging to uh, preach on a text that everybody knows, because as soon as we start reading, you go like, okay, I know where it goes. Uh, so let's hope to, to be able to see it, see it with uh, fresh eyes. Amen? So the Word of God says on verse 25, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Eternal life. What it is written in the law, he replies, meaning Jesus. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this. And you will live. Like I said, as an expert of the law, as an, an attorney, a lawyer, as any good lawyer knows, never ask a question unless you already know the answer, right? Because if you don't know the answer and you ask the question, you're risking to have the answer you don't want to have. But he asked the question, and obviously it's shown in his answer that he knows the law. He quotes a verse from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then comes and combines it with another text of the, the law of Moses from Leviticus chapter 19, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So he knows the law. He asks Jesus a question, and Jesus puts it back in his court, and he gets a good answer. Moreover, we probably all know that Matthew chapter 22, Jesus actually says, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second one is, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophet hangs on these two commandments. This is the sum of the entire law. And so the lawyer answers correctly. But he's not satisfied with that answer. That was not what he was looking. Did you notice that says he was trying to test Jesus? And he gives the answer and Jesus said to him, good. You, you, you know the answer. So in a desperate effort to try to continue driving his point, he does what we normally do when we don't know what to do. He messes up. And he asks, wait a minute. So who is my neighbor? Look what he says. Trying to justify himself. Verse 29. But he wanted to justify himself. Now the real intention is coming to light. Right? It's not about the answer. It's about who he is. Who he's trying to appear to be. A justified person. So trying to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, okay baby, bring it on. Now you're in my court. We tried your, yours first. We tried the law. You did it. Now let's do it. Let's up our game. And who doesn't like a good storytelling? Do you have memories of your childhood when you uh, were in your grandpa, grandparents' lab and have some good stories? Or that just happened to me? I, I've told you several times that when I was a kid, I was sent to my uh, um, uncle's farm to work. And uh, obviously, my uncles, I was the kid, so well, they all give me some stories that they weren't very good. They, they were frightening and things like that. But they were still good memories. And so Jesus knows and understands that. And Jesus is the master storytelling. And so we tried the law, so now let me up my game and I'm going to respond to you with this story. We call these stories a parable in church lingo, which only means that is a story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. That's all what it means. And so Jesus uh, started his story on verse uh, 30, and he said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Half dead. This was a serious beating. It wasn't just taking away his clothes and his things. No, they were making sure he was not going to leave that place after his encounter. Now, a little bit of the terrain, uh, the background over there, you can barely see it. It's, it's from um, Jericho. It's a very rocky uh, area. I haven't been personally. Some of you probably are, have. And you may uh, know and understand a little bit of uh, the terrain. So Jerusalem is about 14 miles away from Jericho. It's not a, a very far distance. However, 
It's, Jerusalem sits about 2,500 feet above sea level. But Jericho sits about 850 below sea level. So, if you're like me, that I, I mean, I, I can't really tell that it's just a big difference from one place to the other one in a very short uh, distance. So you, you understand, like I said, it's a rocky, it's uh, um, winding down, going to the road, and robbers will normally uh, spend time there because you, it, it offers the perfect place to perform their job. And so Jesus continued telling this story. This is just important for us to understand that in order to move to one side or the other to the road, you have to be intentionally about it. It, just, it didn't just happen that you were going over there. So verse 31 says, A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So the intention was like, I don't really want to lose my time over here, so let me just go the other way. Verse 32, So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. And there are a number of theories of why they did this or why they didn't do the other. I just want to tell you the expectation that was placed on the role failed. It was expected that they will act in a different way. And none of the two did what it was expected. Remember I said Jesus is the master storytelling? And so in order to continue his story, he introduced a character that is going to flip everybody's mind. It's going to give them a heart attack just to think about this. Verse 33 says, But a Samaritan, a Samaritan as he traveled, came where the man was. Let me just stop right there. What's the name of this story? The Good Samaritan. See how quick we, we, we know the name of the story? Now, do you understand that in the time that Jesus is telling this story, Good and Samaritan are those words that don't go together. It will never occur to anybody to put these two words together. So much so that when Jesus is talking about who he is in John chapter 8, verse 48, the Jews said, The Jews answered him, Aren't we right to say that you're a Samaritan and a demon possessed? So that you have a clear vision of what was their understanding of who a Samaritan was? Closer to a demon-possessed person. And yet he came and he moved intentionally to where this man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Other translations said that he had compassion Compassion is not the same as empathy. 
Though the concepts are related, while empathy refers more to the general ability to take someone's perspective. Kind of like thoughts and prayer. We're going to see these men uh, over there in the middle of the road and we're going to have some good thoughts and we're going to pray for him and then go on our way. Is that what this story is telling about? No, there's, it, there's compassion. There's a desire to engage, to have actions, to, to move, to do something about it. He cared for him. He tended his wounds. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine, which was a customary thing to do. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Number one, he cared for him. He was intentional about it. He tended his wounds, but he didn't left it over there. He put it in his own transportation, took it to the inn, a place that he could uh, stay safe and care for. He cared for the entire night of these men. How do I know that? Because he says, the next morning. So he stayed with him the entire night, caring for him. Now, he said he gave him two denarii. One denarii was <clears throat> the, the wages for an entire day of work. The cost of the inn per night, it was a 32 part of a denarii. I don't know if you can make that figure in your head. I, it's hard for me. So, let's think a denarii is $100, Okay. So the cost, the 32 part of $100 is what? $3, right? And these men, these Samaritan, these non-expected person to act this way, reach in his pocket, give $200 to the man so that he can take care of him. Then he goes on, grab his checkbook, sign a check with no figure, and he gave it to him and said, whatever you spend, I will take care of it. You know how dangerous it is to give somebody a signed blank check? Don't give it to me. I have plenty of things that I can buy. I need a bike. I need a new vehicle. I need a vacation. I can think of so many things that I can use a sign blank check. Do you guys see what is Jesus doing? Do you understand that this is not mere charity? This is an intentionally lavish Love that this man who is not supposed to act in this way is now giving us this huge lesson. Do you understand that this 
expert of the law, give Jesus, gave Jesus the law, and Jesus is now giving him the gospel. Jesus is now showing him how God loves us. Because when it says, do the, 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 the neighbor as you love yourself, isn't that the way we would like for somebody to care for me? In ways that, that nobody can pay that. That's how I would like to be cared for. So that's the, the, the way I need to start caring for others. And then finally Jesus has to come up to the end of the story and strike his point, right? Verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robber? And the answer of the expert of the law is always appalling. The one who had mercy on him. He can't come out himself to say the Samaritan. He has to say the one who had mercy on him. It's too much for him to process in that moment. Can you think of names that you can change that word Samaritan for us today? I know you can. I won't do it for you. The one who had mercy on him. Rebecca Bonord puts it this way. Nothing can make us right with God unless we know why we are wrong with Him. Let me read it again. Nothing can make us right with God unless we know why we are wrong with Him. Did you get that? And where our hope really lies. Our outward actions need to be infused with the desire to follow Him. Did you notice in the story that nobody is there to give thanks to the Samaritan? He's not expecting any recognition. The expectations are not there. Nobody expects the Samaritan to act in this way. So she still asks, what are the motives behind your motions. What are the motives behind our actions? These are at least three ministries, food ministries, that we're still carrying in our midst. Dining with Jesus happened every Monday at uh, 10 a.m. We cook about 150, 160, somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, meals for the homeless that are taken to Fort Lauderdale downtown for Lauderdale, Friday, uh, Monday's afternoon. Uh, dinner church is a different way to connect with people. We have that every Saturday at 6 p.m. Uh, we do that in Spanish uh, to connect with different people. And we also have a program that is called School Backs, a uh, program that uh, was started last year by uh, Edible Extras. We, we plan to continue um, caring for that ministry uh, starting September for the children at school that have um, lack of food uh, for the weekends. And so when I think about this story and when I think about what we do, I know that we have a tradition to care for the needy. 
However, what I want to give you today, what I want to leave you today, is that we, not, we need not to do things just because it's a tradition. Traditions are good, but they're not enough. John Wesley said, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. But this is not talking about, like I said, mere charity. It's that lavish love that Jesus presented to us in that story. Moreover, James chapter 2 says, Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. We don't act in certain ways so that we can become. No, we act because we have become something then is a reflection of who we are. It's part of our DNA. That is what Jesus is trying to say. But all along, you know what's the interesting part of this text? The expert of the law is asking the wrong question. The, the wrong question. The question is not, who is my neighbor? The question is, how can I be a neighbor? That's the question for you. That's the question for me. How can I be a neighbor? We, we in, in, in most of our um, paper of the church, uh, we have this. I have it in, 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 in my card. It says what? We love first. We love first. No questions asked. Do we really know what that means? How can I be a neighbor? That is the question that I want to leave you this morning.